Welcome to Blue Notes On Air. Join us as we chat with experts, analysts and commentators from the Asian region about business, culture and economics. We've actually only got rid of about one third of the activities we do inside our homes. There's two thirds to go. And yet getting rid of one third of all the household chores and activities has created three million jobs, almost all for the SMEs, the small and medium-sized businesses. Today, ANZ's Mark Hand chats to Ibis World's Phil Ruthven on starting, running and staying in small business. Phil, thanks for meeting me and having a chat about uh, the SME world more broadly. My pleasure. You've been firstly a long-term customer of ANZ uh, into your third decade, which is about as long as I've been at this bank. Ah. And one of the first exercises that you actually did for us involved the SME segment when we first set up small business. Do you want to tell us a little about the history as you recall it? Yes, well, that was in 1988, and uh, I think the McKinsey Consulting Firm had done a project for the ANZ Bank and created a number of divisions, one of which was small business, and uh, they suddenly found themselves not knowing enough about small business. It was the minority of Australia's economy at the time, it was only around about 28% of the economy. Right. It's much bigger than that now. But um, So uh, they came to us and said, look, you know, you're analysts, Can you, uh, could you analyse all the industries? And I think in those days there was about 400 and 70 different industries from growing wheat to running a university to making motor cars okay. and so we were able to do a 30 page report on every uh, industry in Australia. It took some time to do it yeah. but uh, in that sense no, uh, the ANZ Bank was our first online customer. Prior to that we'd been a, st- a consulting firm of our own but uh, and uh, it went from there to uh, all over Australia and now all over the world so uh, we've Excellent. got a lot to thank the ANZ Bank for. Yeah, well, likewise. So um, you touched on it there that the small business was a much smaller part of the economy there. We all know it's grown. How big is it? How significant? It's, it's grown to probably nearly 40%. It depends on whether you measure it as employment or its share of the economy or its share of revenue. Each of those give you a different answer. But um, I, I suppose by difference, the, the, the biggest companies in Australia, the top 2,000 biggest companies, would turn over around about 46% of all the revenue of Australia. Right. And if you had government and all of their GBEs and their general government, their education health, that would probably add another 20. So you could say, well, if it came to pure revenue, then um, uh, something like 35% roughly would be um, small business. But if you take it in employment terms, it'd be over 40. Yeah, because okay. they're big employers, they're not as capital intensive as your big miners and, and, and all the rest of it. Uh, so it's, it, it is much bigger than it used to be. It's grown from about 28% of the economy to and, and employment probably up to close to 40. So I think it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's a much more significant sector and it's the one that's growing the fastest of all of them. Yeah, certainly in our case, around about 99% of our customers would borrow less than 5 million. So we consider virtual our customers SME and then mm. obviously some very big institutional customers at the other end, mm-hmm. but we've seen growth over the last, you know, probably the last 30 years, but in particular since the early 2000s in our small business business has seen unbelievable growth in numbers of customers, but also the activity they, they do with us. And there's been quite a shift. There was a fairly heavy manufacturing base to start with, but mm. as Australia's moved to a more service economy, mm. we've seen a lot more service companies emerge and I imagine you've seen similar trends. We have indeed. It's. Um and I think understanding why it's growing is, is important, Mark, because um, in a sense, every industry is created by one word, and that's outsourcing. Um, I mean, agriculture is probably one of our oldest industries, but we forget 
that prior to the agricultural industry, we used to grow our own food in our own backyard, milk a cow, do whatever. Yeah. So if we hadn't outsourced that, we would never have had an agricultural industry. And if we went back far enough too, women would have made their own clothes, dad would have made the furniture, mum yeah. would have preserved the food with salt or, or pickles or something, so that we wouldn't have had a manufacturing industry if we hadn't outsourced that. And what's led to the terrific growth of small business over the last 30 years is we've now decided to outsource a lot more services from the home. Um, and that goes everything from child mining to car washing to cleaning to yeah. lawn mowing and... Uh, Uber Eats. Uber Eats, still growing. Yeah. We've actually only got rid of about one third of the activities we do inside our homes. There's right. two thirds to go. And yet getting rid of one third of all the household chores and activities has created three million jobs, almost all for the SMEs, yeah. the small and medium sized businesses. And the other thing that's helped a lot, Mark, too, has been uh, businesses deciding to outsource their non-core activities. So that right. they used to do their own cleaning, they'd run their own canteens, they'd uh, do their call centres and all those, that's all being outsourced as well. And in fact, that adds up to about $720 billion worth of outsourcing a year. Yeah. And that's almost, almost all, not all, has gone to SMEs. The outsourcing of home chores is up to 500 million. So there's there's over one trillion dollars worth of outsourcing that's happened just, just from, from homes and from businesses. So, yeah. And to some extent too, we can't ignore what overseas companies are doing to us too, or overseas nations, because when people come to visit us as tourists, uh, that's a great boon for our hospitality industry, which is again, probably the heart of yeah. small to medium sized businesses. So smaller SMEs are winning hands over fist in every way you can think of. It's great. Great. So we, we've also seen a bit of a shift where we have a lot of stuff that even work for us that will work um, part time and start a business on the side. And they almost, instead of borrowing money to start the business, they use their employment with a, mm. a big company like ours as their source of revenue that supports what, while they run the business. And then hopefully that business for them becomes the main source of revenue. Have you seen any shifts that would support that? Oh, I think that, well, yes, I think that one of the staggering things is that the number of new businesses that started up last year was 328,000 new businesses. Now, that's, that's astonishing. They weren't all what you might call active trading businesses. Some of them would be self-managed superannuation funds, some might have been trust companies set up, uh, etc. But but well over 250,000 of those were trading businesses. Is that a record year? Yes, it was a record year last year in 2017. Now we lose about 260,000 a year, yeah. not the same ones, but, yeah. but of the two and a quarter million businesses in Australia, we lose around about 13% a year. Okay. But last year we almost created 15% or more new ones. So uh, that tells us how active, and I think the millennials are leading this charge as well, the, the age 16 to 35s and um, I think it's also helped by the fact we haven't had a recession since 1991, so yeah. there's not that fear element that used to be around yeah. when you had a recession every you know, five or six or seven years, and if it went back further, we used to have one every three, three or four years. I, I think services are easier to start up exactly the way you've said though, Mark, in many ways, being able to do it whilst you've got another job on the side. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a safer way to do it as well. You've got a learning curve, and I've often thought that one of the hardest things about SMEs is that Unlike driving a car, you don't have to go and do an oral test or a written test plus a driving test. Yeah, that's right. You just pay your money, start up a company, and you're allowed yeah. to make a fortune or go broke. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's not a lot of help out there. Yeah. So if you can start small the way you've suggested it, uh, you're on a learning curve. You think, well, that didn't work too well, or well, perhaps I'll go and ask an accountant. Or, uh, whereas if you jump straight in, you're straight into the fire if you're not yeah. careful. 
Yeah. We, you touched on something there which uh, we talk quite a bit inside, the, the statistics around failed businesses. Um, we hear some pretty startling numbers. Um, one of the things that we talk about internally is that they're not necessarily failed businesses that go bankrupt. No true. Often someone will start a business, but another opportunity will come along. It may be a, a better job that they had true. expected to get. Yes. It may be that they try and start a few small businesses at the same time and they go with the one that takes off. So yes. you know, two thirds of our customers don't actually borrow from us. They use us for transactional purposes uh, and other yes, purposes. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think the failure rate, I sense that it might be over stated a little bit? It is, Mark. It's, uh, it's interesting. There's two sorts of failures. One is insolvency, if you're a proprietor limited or what they call yeah. the incorporated business. And the failure rate of incorporated businesses, and there's something like about, oh, I think 700,000 of those in Australia, is only one and a quarter percent a year. Right. Now, so you, it's, not, it's very low. Yeah. Uh, so as I said, we, we close down 13% of businesses a year, but only one and a quarter of the companies actually uh, are insolvent. And the same with business bankruptcies. In other words, if you're an unincorporated business like a sole trader or a partnership, uh, the failure rate's exactly the same. It's about one and a quarter percent a year. And we lose about 8,000 of those a year in, in uh, business bankruptcies. So you, you're right. They, most people close down without losing their shirt, if I can yeah. put it that way, and, yeah. uh, which is good because yeah. unfortunately bankruptcies and insolvencies carry a stigma with it. And uh, not so much in America, it's probably a badge of honour because you're allowed to fail twice before yeah. you make it, a bit like Henry Ford. But, yeah. uh, but yes, it's, the failure rate's not... The failure rate's not high compared to the closure rate. Yeah, okay. You can fail quite a few times and become president too, so that's, that's <laughs> a bonus. So there is this myth about the number of small businesses that fail, and, and, and we come across that a lot, and it's, it's very much a part of our conversation. And, you know, we find customers um, will move on to other things, they'll go back into employment, and it's not so much that they fail, it's just that they don't put the full weight of their effort behind it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, our sense overall is that it's, it's overstated in terms of the, the number of small businesses that go into bankruptcy or, or actually lose money. You know, what's your perspective? Well, the same. It's, um, it's interesting. The most common-sized business in Australia is a firm that's turning over between $50,000 a year and $200,000 a year. Right. Now, I find that interesting because if you averaged out the whole two and a quarter million businesses in Australia, the average would be about 2.2 million. Right. But that's average goes up because of the really big giants yeah. averaging their turnover yeah. out over the rest of them, which means that a lot of the SMEs are down in that fifty to two hundred thousand dollar bracket, and that partly explains the sort of mobility you're talking about, Mark, because f often they're buying a job. I think is a term that's often yeah. used. In other words, yeah. they don't like working for a boss or boss. I'd rather be my own, charge my own destiny, and out they'll go. Now sometimes they think, oh. It's not all it's cut out to be. It's a pretty lonely business out there. They're and the hardest uh, working people I know. It's a yes, it is. difficult job to buy. It is. And uh, so they think, oh, and a lot of people start a consulting business. Well, they might go out and do a lawnmowing business, but they can't get the customers or something. So um, it means that they'll often exit the business without going broke at all. Yeah. Just to think, look, I've been there. I've had a go. It doesn't work. Um, so... Uh, there's not many that really fail in the in the in the sense that it's often made out to be in the in the media. It's not that at all. Yeah. Uh, and because most businesses today are service businesses, you're not stuck with an awful lot of capital buried yeah. in there, owning a building or a, you know, whatever it might be, and equipment. You don't do that. Yeah. So uh, your ability to move in and out, or have a number of different goes in your lifetime, is much better than it ever was in my lifetime. I mean. Uh, 
I just hope I can start all over again because there's another 10 businesses I'd like to start yeah, before I, I die. I imagine you see some good ideas. You do. Yeah, we've certainly seen that on the capital intensity side. Uh, a lot of the businesses just don't need as much capital to run their business. Mm. They, It's working capital facilities they absolutely need to keep the business going in the early days, but those big licks of funds and the, the obsession with property ownership um, probably won't go away in the short term in Australia. Mm. But um, it's seen more of a, a wealth creation strategy for yes. a lot of our customers, yes. and it's less critical to have that premises and that ownership to yeah. run their small business. But it is interesting. I've, years ago, I used to have a medium-sized business say, uh, Phil, you say you shouldn't own your own you know, buildings. And I said, that's true, I don't. Yeah, but what are you going to use for collateral for the business? I said, well, yeah. if you don't own the building, why have you got to go and borrow money in the first place? You yeah. know, oh, you never thought of it. Oh, yeah, okay, right. But uh, you, you're so right. I mean, People have understood that uh, better, I think, particularly in the last 10 years, that it's your intellectual property that's the most valuable part, right. not only a hard asset. They might be used yeah. for wealth purposes uh, or retirement purposes, you very rightly say, but they know it's not a wealth-creating part of the business at all. Yeah. That's your IP and your energy and your ability to lead, your ability to uh, sell, your ability to manage people. Yeah. Uh, all of that's much more important yeah, than your hard assets. Sense. What about the impact that Asia's had? So, you know, we've come through a phase where our bank's focus was, was strongly on Asia and still our current strategy is about capitalising on those trade flows. Have SMEs got a, a big or small or growing role in that space? I think they do. And in fact, I think they're, they're doing it too. Um, it's, um, I mean, the thing that I think is so attractive about being in Australia is that we're only a tiny part of the world economy. We're about 1.3% of the world economy. We're only about 3% of Asia. So that if you look at just Asia alone, there's a market 30 times bigger out there than here. Now, if you're America, of course, well, you can't say that. The rest of the world's only four or five times bigger than us. We can say it's 30 times bigger, or the world is 80 times bigger. And that's why we went overseas as an SME when we were an SME, we're a big corporate, bigger firm now. Um, So that the other interesting thing about Asia is that I think we've locked ourselves into that area quicker than most people imagine, because two thirds of all of our immigrants are now coming in from Asia, two thirds. And two thirds of all of our tourists are coming in from Asia, which is great, you get to know each other better, and we go there as well. And two thirds of our trade, which is the point you raised, is also with Asia. So we've almost Asianized ourselves uh, quietly, but solidly over the last two decades. And um, again, I don't think there's as much fear or xenophobia amongst the younger entrepreneurs that there used to be. We were scared stiff. I mean, particularly if you were born in the depression or the war years, you oh God. Uh, But they they don't have that fear anymore. It's a much more global economy. So there are opportunities either to go overseas if you've got a, a clever idea. Um, and as I've often said, if you're not clever enough to go overseas, you're not going to be clever enough to survive here yeah. because it's a two-way flow. I mean, if you're not clever here, somebody's going to come in from overseas and, and knock you off. Yeah. And we certainly see that our supermarkets, we weren't clever enough for their supermarkets to go overseas. So Aldi and Little and the others are all coming in. Come here, yeah. So that means being clever is one of the very important parts about any business to survive yeah. these days. Yeah. Being unique is even better. Right. And what about other trends? So we've seen our um, customers um, or our communities move to online trading far more frequently. They're mm. much more comfortable buying online than they've ever been. Um, the, the digital impact on people's ability to do things has had a, has had a big impact on companies like ours. Mm. Is it, is it the same for the smaller companies? Well, it is. I, I think what's very encouraging there, Mark, is 
how quickly people go onto the web as part of their identification yeah. and they're selling. Uh, because you can, you can actually tell your story to the world at a very low cost these days, yeah. much lower than the old days of advertising when you went into print or media or let alone TV. Yeah. And um, so, uh, and I mean, it's just incredible. I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to have grandchildren. I remember that to try and get them to be quiet during a Sunday night dinner when you had a tribal get together was impossible. Yeah. Uh, when are we going home, mum, and blah, blah, blah. Well, these days, the parents just gives them a tablet, puts them into the corner, and you don't hear a word from them for two yeah. and a half hours. So, in a sense, the kids are becoming more digitally, you know, useful yeah. or, in, or capable at a very early age. And uh, I often think, I mean, most of my employees around the world are millennials, the under 35s, and I think they're turning out twice as much stuff as the previous generation. Yeah. Because of the use of really the digital era, you know, in that sense, so yes. yeah. and I think SMEs are doing that. You know, Respond to that very yeah. quickly. Yeah. Now, I always love how you can just reel off stats as if uh, they're <laughs> common knowledge. How everyone knows them. You obviously, uh, you obviously come across some interesting numbers. Any, any sort of interesting insights or numbers or surprises that you've seen in the last few years about this segment? Yes, I think what I find interesting, Mark, is is those that, uh, in other words, where the where are the entrants and the exits going from you know right. and it's interesting that the most popular startup business is a hospitality business in australia uh, over the last four years there's been an increase of about 19 percent of the number of firms now in, in over four year period sorry 19 percent per annum i should right. say so that's been astonishing growth yeah. uh, the other area that's been very uh, fast growing is uh, probably been the administrative and support services now that sounds a mouthful that includes things like personnel consulting firms, uh, uh, call centre firms, uh, all those sort of areas that, that service the, the office of, of major corporations. They've been the two fastest growing. They've been growing at 19% per annum too. Right. Um, but the other one is w which are the best surviving businesses. And I find yeah. that interesting because health is number one. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's got the lowest uh, exit rate, uh, health, followed by agriculture, uh, which is a very stubborn yeah. industry in other words boy have they got some stamina out there yeah you know, amongst 140,000 or whatever there is of them too the other interesting thing I find too is which states have the the highest exits or, or departure right. uh, or, or entrance too and um, the, the best surviving states funnily enough are Tasmania and South Australia there's okay. less exits out of those states in over a four or five year period than any others yeah. uh, the highest exits are in the Northern Territory and, the, and ACT Canberra right. so Yes, there are. You think, oh, well, that's interesting. But uh, so, yes, sometimes it does tell you a bit of a story about where it's all going on. So, rich insights, as as always, when we have a conversation. If you could boil it down to two or three things that uh, you would say to a small business person that's either starting out or in that early growth phase and really trying to get traction with their business, you know, what would you share? Uh, I first of all would say, do your homework first. Uh, now, a lot of people would think a lot about starting a business anyway, uh, but I think that's about whether they've got the courage uh, to do it. Yeah. Uh, what I'm saying about homework is it's much easier to go out and find out about the business you want to go into anyway these days. Uh, I mean, I, it's nice to know that the IBIS world has a report on every industry in Australia, and you can get that from the small business associations at virtually no charge, I think, yeah. or go to your bank like ANZ yeah. Bank and say, can you tell me I'm thinking about going to this business? You can download it because you're a client of ours. Yeah. So that I think doing your homework first is important. I think getting some uh, people riding shotgun for you also helps by, as well. Again, I think by going to either small business services here in, in Victoria, for example, which is my headquarters, uh, 
they've got the small business monitoring service and you can yeah. go along there and they'll, they'll give you clues that you need either on finance, accounting, you know, selling, all sorts of things there. So I, I think doing your homework uh, pays dividends for a small business to do it that way. And uh, the other, only other thing is be careful of those who said it can't possibly work because I, I think a lot of people use old experience to assume right. new things don't work. But uh, you've only got to look at this, the entrepreneurs still coming through to know that you know, if you want to back your own good idea after you've done your homework, go for it. Yeah, okay, excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time today. And um, it's always interesting talking to you. I look forward to next time you're in front of a, a group of our customers, um, bewildering them with your numbers. <laughs> Thanks thank for your time. You're more than welcome. Thank you for listening to Blue Notes On Air. Blue Notes On Air was produced by the Blue Notes editorial team with music by Kevin McLeod. 